What is up, folks? It's the Emulsion Podcast, hosted by chef and media producer Justin Kana. That's me. The Emulsion is a result of my desire to educate, share, and personally keep myself up to date on stories stirring up the restaurant industry. I also sit down and interview remarkable professionals that are making exciting moves in their own unique and creative ways. Fine dining, chef swaps, new gear, critiques, professional performance, balance, hospitality, as well as the occasional rabbit hole are all just a few of the topics we get into here. But the goal, of course, being that you take off your headphones or get out of your car feeling smart more inspired or more connected than when you pressed play. Where is the long ad read? You will not find that here because the growing gang of amazing folks on Patreon make it possible for me to hit the publish button every single Thursday and I'm eternally grateful for their support. But more on that after the show. What is up folks in true season two fashion here on the Emulsion Podcast. This is another return guest. If you haven't listened to the first episode Spencer and I did, it's good, but we did record it remotely, and so the interview, or the audio on his side was not the greatest, and we kind of joke about that in the beginning of this episode. But he is a fantastic up-and-coming chef in the Minneapolis area. For everybody asking, he did just turn 15 uh, when he was here in Seattle. The video folks see it on screen right now. Him and I were hanging out, so I did have him here on set. It was awesome hanging out with him. I love eating with him, and I also love cooking with him, which which is kind of what we get into later on in this episode. I ask him questions about what's he excited about cooking now. He does have a job at this point at Grand Cafe in Minneapolis, which is really awesome to see him making moves in an actual restaurant as opposed to just doing pop-ups of his own. We do get into talking about pop-ups a little bit, as well as some of those signature questions that I ask all of my guests towards the end of the video. I want to give a few quick shout-outs before we start into this episode. First goes out to you folks, the ones that follow along on Instagram and Twitter, that ask questions for Spencer. Second goes out to, we didn't really advertise it this heavily, but we did do a lot of donation to the Alzheimer's Association. That was kind of a nonprofit that we chose that we wanted to give any profits that, you know, after all of our costs were covered, we gave all of our profits to the Alzheimer's Association, which was really, really awesome. And lastly, of course, if you're someone that watches the channel or listens to the podcast and you did come to the pop-up, that was really awesome to meet you in person, as well as some of the chefs at Popovu were people that follow along with the content. So that was crazy, crazy cool to actually cook with some of you in real life. All right, I'm going to get out of the way here. Please enjoy my conversation with Spencer Venancio. Let's start it up. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, again, in, in person this time, no uh, weird audio issues. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? It was just your mic? I, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't record audio. <laughs> Got it. Not an audio guy. No. I think it's best if we start with some audience questions because... Let's do it. This is... As I get people back on the show, I want to make sure that people, like, if they've just listened to your episode, they can, like, follow up with you. So I think Flinder Flan asks, how oh. has Spencer's attitude towards cooking changed since the last time you guys did a podcast together? Are you more inspired, less inspired? Sorry, I got distracted. I, I work with him. I agree. Oh, He's a, yeah, that's great. I mean, even more. Like, yeah. this, is, this is the format to ask it. Okay, what was the question? Uh, how has your attitude towards cooking changed since the last time we did a podcast? I think you've definitely gotten more experience. Like you've definitely worked more. Yeah, I think my attitude has just been more. I don't know, I like, I'm trying to figure out how exactly to answer this question. Well, I mean, uh, you have more context now, right? I feel like before you were so baked in cookbooks and scrolling through Instagram 
and not having a real sense. I mean, you hadn't even basically staged back then. You were thinking- no, no. I had I had set up my first staged. Uh huh. Uh huh. And you were cooking a lot at home though. Like you were testing things out. Yeah, and you for sure. I mean, I have. I feel like a lot more of a. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't have a hundred percent style yet, but I'm getting closer sure. a lot more than I was when I first was on the podcast because of more work or because you get frustrated with how restaurants are and so you end up doing more research um i think i've just done more i've cooked more Mm -hmm. i've tested more dishes i've created more um than the first time and i've worked in more restaurants i've had more things to pull from and when you have more things to pull from then i feel like it becomes more creative because there's less links to draw. Like, right, right. This is clearly from his experience here and here, mm. whereas now it's like you can draw from all of the places and then it becomes something that's more original than if you right. have less experience. Right, right. Does anything stand out as far as like you find yourself using more stuff that you learned from Grand Cafe or more stuff from Spoon and Stable or you saw this one cool thing in Alinea that you like did a riff on. I'm just using this time to also update people on like where you've been spending your time because it's yeah. a pretty heavy hitter list of places. Um, I don't know if there's like a restaurant that I take the most from. I think I take quite a bit from all of them. And then it's also very ingredient inspired too. Cause like, it's a lot of yeah. ingredient inspired mm-hmm. stuff. So maybe we should start there then. Cause what, when you have something like a, asparagus or a rhubarb i mean we can also talk about our pop-up maybe we should maybe we should do that so the way that we wrote our pop-up menu was we wanted to do eight courses we took four ingredients and we said you do an ingredient and then i'll do the same ingredient and then we see who how each chef gets inspired by both ingredients so when we wrote those ingredients what goes through your head when you get an ingredient because that seems to be more inspired than technique. With the focal ingredient, and then it's like, what ingredients do I want to pair with that? And then I have this ingredient list of things that I want to put together with this focal ingredient. And then I decide with that what I want to the preparations for each of the ingredients to be. Sure. So when you get um, stuck, what ends up being that solution process? Like... Is it always, will you go more for texture? Will you go more for, well, I, maybe if I pickle it, it will change in some way, shape, or form? Well, I mean, if I get stuck, then I, I will basically just, I'll test the dish mm-hmm. with what I have and then taste, then it. taste it and experience it, and that will help me decide mm-hmm. what it needs. And so it's like, well, this is really dry. I got to ha- have yeah. a high moisture component, or this is really lacking acidity so do i want to increase the acidity in what i have so far or Mm -hmm. add another ingredient with more acidity and it's all those things of like what can i do to make it more balanced or what can i add or yep Yep. love that so would you say your attitude has changed because that's ultimately the 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 nugget that we want to get out of here you've probably worked with people in the kitchen who are like not super excited to be there they're just kind of like there to get the paycheck or there to get the experience and leave. And then there's other people who are like super crazy amped to show up to work every single day. And yeah. so I see those as the two ends of the spectrum. So 
because you've had more restaurant experience and you have been cooking more, has it just given you more knowledge or do you find yourself on one end of that spectrum more, more or less than the other where you're like, well, maybe I don't want to do restaurants anymore. Maybe I do want to just continue to do pop-ups. Um, I mean, my attitude is still sort of, I, I want a restaurant. I want to, I want to have a tasting menu restaurant at some point. Yep. Um, and that isn't to say that that won't change, but mm. right now my attitude about my end goal is still pretty similar than what it was sure. originally. Sure. That's good. Um, three not asks age. We got to give people an update on that. Did we talk when you were 13? Uh, I think so. Does that sound right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> probably. 14 now. Yeah. 14 now. 14. Uh, hi, my name is Oscar. Wants to know, do you have a favorite cooking technique? If so, why or why not? Favorite cooking technique? Um, I mean, we were talking about it as we were talking through the menu of like things you're excited about right now, which to from your talking to me was... A lot of shaved vegetables. I really like shaved vegetables, like shaving them really thin on a mandolin and shocking them in ice water Mm -hmm. so they curl. I think that has a way of adding texture but also making things look really beautiful because of its just free nature of nothing really looks the same. It's It comes from that theory that like when you try to be perfect, people will notice the imperfections, Mm -hmm. but if you're going for an organic thing it will just look beautiful right because you can't once you put it in the ice water you can't do anything else yeah it's just like it happens how it curls is how it curls and no no one's gonna be like oh that didn't curl in a perfect circle or it's gonna be like oh that's like very organic and very an interesting plating of the dish it's not sure it doesn't look symmetrical have you figured out any other techniques that do that i'm trying to rack my brain for you know ways where you can uh, just let the ingredient do whatever it's going to do. I mean, cheese making is kind of like that, right? Yeah, I don't have very much cheese making experience, though, mm-hmm. except for I made cheese for the first time for our dinner. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That came out nice. We should talk through that menu as well. Yeah, we can do that. I want to get a few more of these answered, though. Um, mm-hmm. How long are your stages normally? Because you should give people an update on what you're spending your time on now. Yeah, I mean, because of my age and the fact that I can't really get a job, I'm doing a lot longer stages. Um, so, I mean, when I staged at, like, Alinea, that was shorter because it was out of the city and I was there for a week. But mm. when I'm here, it, depending on how excited I am to be at the restaurant, like, a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, because I was at Spoon and Stable on and off, like, a few days a week for, like, a year. Mm-hmm. Um and now I'm working at the Grand Cafe. Um, actually working, doing like I'm not there as backup to help someone else. I'm manning the station, which yeah, is a station. new new experience for me, which I'm excited to totally learn from. Did they? I mean, obviously they're probably excited with you having summer vacation because you have less school yeah. obligation. Yeah. Have they spoken about what's going to happen when you have to go back to school? We haven't talked about that yet. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll have to figure out what that's going to mean. Cross that bridge later. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, a few more months left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we were talking about your prep list the other day. How has that been different? Um, because 
I find that you have had this really interesting experience of being on both ends of that spectrum and now you're like in the middle, right? So at a pop-up, it's your food, your execution, you're the face of it, right? Yeah. And then when you're a stage, like you said, you're behind the scenes, you're not really touching anything that's like quote-unquote important, you're backup for somebody else. Yeah. And so now that you have a station, you're like in the brigade. So how has that been? I mean, it's intense. It's I didn't re- quite realize how different they were going to be. Mm-hmm. Until your first day, it's yeah. like there's a lot more stuff to do, and there's a lot more pressure. And it's like when you're a stage, it's like you got to have all your stuff done by by five for the, the guys on the line. But when you're manning the station, when you're when it's your stuff, it's like it becomes a lot earlier than because you have to worry about setup and making stuff for family meal and. It, there's a lot more things to do that like you don't quite realize the responsibility that other people have when you're just staging. What was, I mean, you spoke about some of those difficulties. What were some things that you were able to do to overcome that? Was it asking for help? Was it better list writing? Was it just going faster? Cause going faster and showing up earlier. Uh-huh. <laughs> just gotta, you, you gotta make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any advice for someone who's like, I can't show up earlier. I have to be there at noon. Like, I can't clock in until noon. And I have, like, I feel super overwhelmed. Uh, I get this question all the time, and I'm, like, selfishly trying to pull for, pull for answers from you. Do I mean, I don't... It's, I'm relatively new to the, mm-hmm. the working in restaurants. and. But I ask because you're in it, right? Like, you're trying I to mean, I, master. You're trying to... I'm, yeah. yeah. I'm, I would just say, like... I don't even know. I, if if I were in that situation, I would go and not clock in, and, yeah, yeah, and then clock in at twelve. More time is the answer. Okay. I don't know. Unless you can, are capable of going fast, like if you can't get your stuff done and you don't have, and you can't clock in, then you just have to go earlier and not mm-hmm. clock in, because mm-hmm. otherwise, you're just in trouble. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I've also, I mean, this is also a good question for me that some other people might be curious about because there have been a couple of. 12, 14, 16-year-olds that have reached out and asked about jobs or stages. What was that conversation like with either Jamie or whoever you spoke with at Grand Cafe of like, I really want to work here. I understand you can't pay me. Obviously, it varies by state to state, but did you present it as a stage and how how did you get that yes from them? I I basically went up to them and was like, so I'm going to be coming up on summer soon and it starts on June 1st and after that date, I want to be here as much as possible. Mm. And I want to discuss the possibility of, of learning how to cook the station and not just Stage. be helping out. Yeah. Um, and they basically were like, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Let's, we, we sort of forgot about it for a few weeks and it was just like, I followed up with them and they were like, work these days and I was like yes chef <laughs> nice nice that'll work uh let's see who else has has here um maybe we should switch gears and talk about um pop-ups for a little bit because there's quite a few people who asked about pop-ups so dean underscore strobel asks any advice to marketing your dinners effectively to someone who's trying to do the same thing so Maybe also give people an update on where your pop-ups land now because you do have a job that takes a lot of your time up. You're still, yeah. I mean, you're still wanting to do pop-ups, but... It's going to be a lot harder. Yeah. I mean, you, it's it's about once a month, once every other month. 
I mean, ideally once a month. Um, it's right now. It's more like every other month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that'll just take having more connections with restaurants that are able to be used as a space for pop-ups because it becomes a lot harder to execute the vision of a smaller pop-up where it's tasting menu and you're able to cook for not a hundred people at once Mm -hmm. where it's for those restaurants that are going to close and they're going to expect you to be able to pay what they're going to be losing in revenue because they're closed versus going into a restaurant that's closed on this given day and they're not losing anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's sort of where I'm working on right now is finding the restaurants that are closed that one or two days a week that I can go into and and do a pop-up so that I can, once I have a few restaurants that I've done pop-ups at, it becomes a lot easier to know where you can reach out to and be like, can I do a pop-up? Sure. How does that conversation start? Is it an Instagram DM? Is it an? It's an email. It's an email. It's a. It's a professional thing. You yeah, gotta. Yeah, yeah. It's your first interaction with them. You. Mm-hmm. It sh- can't be over Instagram. Totally, totally. And because I, I ask, because it's a, it's a genuine thing that is becoming a reality for a lot of people to get started. Is how do I reach out to a restaurant that has no idea who I am, has no idea what my food is like, but I see that they're closed, and I know that other chefs are doing pop ups, but I'm I'm at square zero. So like, yeah. what what's your what's your advice for writing that first email? Because we've we've had quite a few conversations about it, and yeah, I'd like for to sure. think that it's been successful, right? The yeah. stuff that you've done so far. So where where where, do, where would you like to point people if they're curious? On I've never sent an email like that before. I mean, you just you gotta try to express what you're thinking in the most in the most eloquent way because if someone sees that you're going to take over their restaurant and you can't write an email that is professional and makes you sound good then it's like do I really want to trust them with having people in my restaurant like mm-hmm. it's a problem and it's like if if you don't sound like you can write an email, then they're not going to trust you with the restaurant. So it's, sure, sure. it's your first interaction. So it has to be very professional and very first impression. Yeah. Will you talk about things like guest count or estimated revenue that you're hoping to give them? I like to try to put, I don't like to put, try to put a whole lot of details in that first mm-hmm. email. I like to, give them a rough idea of what I'm trying to do and ask for a meeting. Right. Because you're able to express your vision a lot more clearly when you're in person and and you can ask follow-up questions in seconds rather than you ask a question, they respond the next day. Mm-hmm. Then it's like it's a lot easier when you're in person. So adding enough details so that they are excited and they want to meet with you but little enough detail so that you can discuss them during a meeting. Sure, sure. And, I mean, for people that are listening and they're like, okay, that's a good idea, I find that asking for, like, a 2 o'clock to a 4 o'clock time slot is the best time to ask for a meeting with a restaurant person because it's usually, like, before dinner service, after lunch service. Don't ask for a 
6 p.m. meeting because you just got off work kind of a kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, might seem super like obvious to us because we've been sending emails out like this for years now, but I think for someone starting off, it's like very valuable to, I mean, we, we, at the restaurant in Norway, we would get people coming up to me at 5.30, like right as service started and they're like, hey chef, I want to give you my resume. And it's like, not a good, not a good time, dude. Like, uh, just think, think about where the restaurant is in their day. And that's, uh, that's my little nugget of advice. For sure. I mean, think about what the person that you're going to try to talk to is going to be doing at that time. And if it doesn't make sense for the, if they're not in a good place to receive things, then it's not the right time. That's another question that I get pretty often is, and you've sent me these these questions too, but you've been getting it a little bit more recently, and it's not in a bad way, but when you don't get an answer, what does yeah. that process look like for you as far as like when to email again? Do you follow up? That, that is a, a question that is, is hard. Um, I think like seven to ten days after the first first email, and then if they email back to you, then it's like more like – four to five days after sure. to follow up mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. That's sort of what I stick to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you change anything in that initial email? Will you just send it again? Do you say something in the line when you send it, resend it and follow up? It's sort of different depending on exactly what I'm emailing about, whether it's like a stodge or a pop-up. Um, sometimes like I'll basically copy and paste the email and then add like a new first line, which is like... smart. I wanted to follow up on my first email. Yep. Um, I want to re- reiterate what I'm looking to do and then just sort of... Yeah, what I'm excited about. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Um, okay, so you get the pop-up, you get the venue, you're ready to go. Chef says, hosted my first pop-up dinner for eight people and I need some advice on moving forward and doing more. I mean, that's... That's the dream. That's how I started. Mm-hmm. Actually, mine was like six. And it's <laughs> like, I mean, you got to start somewhere. So um, just find a restaurant that you can go and stage at that you know is either closed on one day or might be open, like has done pop-ups in the past, and then make an impression on them and then be like, I'm not super experienced with larger pop-ups, but I'm super excited about trying one how would you feel about me coming into this and showing you what I'm looking to do in your mm-hmm. space sort of thing? Mm-hmm. So you would get a relationship with a restaurant and then request to do more? Um, I mean, that's how I did it for my first pop-up. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you don't really have anything to say about like what you've done in the past. You can't be like, I've done pop-ups here and here, mm-hmm. and I've done so many, like I've done this many pop-ups. Yeah. You're like you don't have that anything to pull on. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. with your first one especially, I think it would be a good idea to create a relationship sure. before. Sure. So when you get to the point when you can't do it all, right? So say you're doing a seating for twenty, right? Yeah. You can't realistically cook and plate all of the food on a tasting menu. Oh, you're good. You can't realistically <laughs> cook and plate all of the food. Yeah. For twenty. So when the restaurant will come to you and say we want to help you where do you continue to hold on to and what are you okay delegating to other people during like the service during a Dur- like yeah 
Give me an example of what you're so, asking. So, like, um, would you be more likely to stand at the pass and direct people how to plate certain things? Do you want to be in the dining room talking to people? Do you want to be standing over the stove uh, cooking and cooking tasting the beef? Things? Yeah, cooking the beef. Um, <laughs> the not beef because <laughs> I don't want cooking beef. Um, I am at a point right now where I know that I have some sort of abilities, but I still, I th- and I think this is to my benefit, almost feel like everyone I'm always working with is, is better than me. Sure. So I'm always very comfortable being like, do you, do you want to cook this? Like, are you, mm-hmm. okay, cool. Yeah. Like, Can you help me with this? Yeah. Like, I am mm-hmm. fine with having people. Sure. Like, if there's someone who's capable of doing something, they can do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to be like, I, I'm going to cuddle all like my serious projects and you guys have to peel the carrots and cut little tiny cubes of these things because I have to do everything else. Like I'm very comfortable delegating projects as long as, as I know exactly what I want them to be. Sure. Um, and so I will find fine delegating plating or cooking. If that's not saying I don't do those things, but mm-hmm. I'm fine if other, if I need help with them yeah. for other people to do them. Sure. Has there been anything where you're like, I don't want someone to do that? I always want to do... I will always do the things that I don't know what they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if I write smoked uh, almond milk sauce, I don't necessarily know what that is yet mm-hmm. or how exactly I want to do them, so I'm not going to delegate it to someone. Right. Like, if there's a component that I'm not quite sure what the exact method of it is or mm-hmm. how exactly I want it to taste... Or I'm making changes from the last time that I can't ask someone to do them mm-hmm. because I don't know what they are yet. But that those are the things that like. Sure. So circling back on yeah. what we were talking about dish development, how does that get into your menu if you've never done if you've never executed on that prep before? Like how do you write smoked almond milk sauce on a dish? I mean, it came out great. <laughs> I'm yeah, not saying I'm, it was bad. Yeah. But I'm what I'm saying is if you've never executed on it before how does it get onto the menu? And then how do you start thinking about executing it? Do you look up recipes? Um, I mean, for that example specifically, I had tested it before, but I didn't have a recipe for it and I didn't have, it wasn't perfect the last time I made it. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I would just feel more comfortable if it sucked that it would be on me. Right. Um, but in a lot of things, that's like I haven't had this thing before, but I'm gonna write it on my disc- like yep. on my menu. It's if it, it, to me, it's things that are like that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Like it's a lot of things that sound good are good. Yep. With so it's like it's worth testing totally. And if things are like very out there, but they sound good, it's I'm not gonna serve it without testing it. Mm. But if I make a dish and it's almost there. And there are a few things that need tweaking. Then I'm comfortable serving it on the on the menu and having me do the components I'm not sure about, so that I can make them exactly how I want them. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, where was I going to go with that? I had another question. Um, let's see. Maybe we should talk about our beverages because we've drank a couple yeah. of these already. Very <laughs> Uh, how is that? The, so I have a event I'm doing tomorrow and I had to stop at Whole Foods and I needed to get some beverages and you get, you didn't give me any 
direction. You just told me I could do whatever I want. Yeah. So I got you a matcha latte. With coconut milk. Yeah, mine also has coconut milk. This is from a brand called Rebel. Hashtag not sponsored, I promise. Mine is uh, reishi mushroom, cold brew, coconut milk. It's really good. Because you know who the sponsor is. Your supporters on Patreon. <laughs> That's true. It gets That's me every true. time. Uh-huh. I'm like, you're like, and our sponsor for this video is... I'm like, oh, did he finally get a sponsor? <laughs> no way, man. Patreon. That's all changing. After I release episode 100, which I still haven't done yet, <laughs> you're, you're technically episode 106, I think. You've recorded that many photos. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm super ahead. Um, but I have been. Look, there's a cat. Um, cat right in time for a break. Yeah. Uh, that's actually smart. Boop. Cool. Let's keep going. Do you like that, though? Yeah, it's good. Okay. Because uh, I saw you drinking tea the other day, and I thought it would be better to get you a tea-based something. Than yeah, a, I like tea. Than a um, coffee-based something. I, I drink coffee fast and tea slowly. Like I, espresso? Like, I drink coffee for caffeine. I yeah, don't, yeah, I yeah. Don't, Smart. I, I don't enjoy coffee that much. Speaking of caffeine. Ironically, that's that. I used to love coffee. Really? I Yeah, I loved coffee. That's interesting. I didn't get into coffee until I was like 17. No, I got into coffee, some people would say, very too young. Do you blame restaurants for that? No, no. It was poor restaurants. Because of your parents? No. You just I, wanted to try. Okay. It was just like, I can't have it? Okay, I want it. Mm-hmm. And it was it was originally like, I can tell a story. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Like I, was, I loved pumpkin and like cinnamon things and it was sure. like pumpkin spice latte. I don't know what a latte is, but pumpkin spice. Got it. That sounds good. Got it. And I was like, Mom, can I have a pumpkin spice latte? And she's like, no, you can't have that. It has coffee, and you can't have coffee because you're a child. Right. And it's like, that's all normal, and it's like, now I want it more. Mm -hmm. And it's like, when I could finally have it, I became obsessed with it, and then I don't like it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it because your pal? You think your palate's changing? I mean, I don't know. I don't. I honestly, it was very weird. It was like, I loved coffee and and now I don't yeah, like yeah, it yeah. as much. It's it's weird. I mean, there was a point when I, I, I mean, I very distinctly remember when my palate changed with coffee because I it used to be like even my mom's really weak drip coffee, which was like a cheap Folgers coffee, was way too bitter for me to drink. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I started to drink it, and it was good and then i again the caffeine just changes i don't even know if i get very affected by the caffeine yeah, yeah, and coffee yeah. but it's, it seems like a good idea before dinner service right totally because totally. at grand like people will come in like do you want a coffee and yep don't sure. say no yep, don't <laughs> say no i love it i was drinking a cold beer during service at our pop-up and that helped me out a lot <laughs> um ron jarvis says why did you decide to be a chef and what makes you get up in the morning other than the coffee. I don't drink coffee <laughs> in the morning. Um, what made me bec- decide to become a chef? Um, it, food is... it was, The journey of food for me is very, very natural progression of food being served at... Like nice food being sort of served at holidays. And every once in a while we would go to the family outing to the nice restaurants. Mm which looking back probably wasn't such a nice <laughs> restaurant. Yeah. Um, and then it was like, ooh, I, like, I should try this. Um, 
and I have a very, I'm very competitive yeah. and I have the very competitive mentality of like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to be the best at it. Sure. sure. So, it, and to me, what is the best kind of food? It's, it's fine dining mm-hmm. and it, and certainly like fine dining doesn't have to be mm-hmm. the best food. Like there are some times where it's like taco can be really good and Correct. it doesn't have to be like with a white tablecloth restaurant, mm. but, but there are those times where it's like the artfulness of really nice restaurants that are serving artful tasting menus. It's, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And it's, and that's sort of where I was like, what's the closest to that I can get in Minneapolis. Boom. I'll send them an email. Right. I'll get in their kitchen. Sure. Sure. So speaking on that competitive side, is, is that what kind of continues to fuel you is you want to be considered better you want to get better yourself are you competing against the cooks that are surrounding you or are you competing with yourself who is kind of what what drives that side of you right now I mean right now it's it's making sure that everything I need to get done gets done Mm -hmm. um and that I'm doing that with high standards and everything that I'm producing is high quality sure and that's sort of what continues to drive me it's like you, you can't nothing nothing stops for anyone in mm-hmm. restaurants mm-hmm. you can't like it's sort of the mentality of like you you don't get to be sick you yep. can't yep. not come to work yeah. like because the people that made a reservation six weeks ago are still going to be come here tonight yeah it's you like I mean? you can't just be like oh i'm sorry guys like our line cook didn't show up mm-hmm. we're not open for dinner service mm-hmm. or like that sauce that that one guy screwed up like now we're sure. not open or that dish isn't available. It's like you have to figure out how to do it and you have to figure out how to fix it fast. Sure. So and it's sort of just like making everything happen. Yeah. Where do you before where do you before find, five o'clock? Yeah, yeah. But where do you find that do you think that's smart? Do you feel like there's a better way? Do you feel like restaurants can be better at communicating where it doesn't have to be like that? I don't know. I think that's I think Maybe, but I think also it's so rooted in tradition that mm. that's how it is mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it's gonna be sure hard to change that sort of yeah because show must go on mentality totally I think that you can't sacrifice the make it happen mentality because then everything will just become oh well it didn't work so we're not gonna do it do you know what I mean yeah um, so then then you there needs to be a sense like there. There can be a sense of like things can go wrong and you can make changes, but there also can't be like the mentality of like it's fine, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. bad. Like you need to have the high standards and the the work to be able to do things. And if you're working really hard and everyone like and one dinner service like this thing goes wrong, then it's like it's fine and you can make do a workaround, but it can't be mm. every day something's going wrong and you sure. just 86 that dish because mm-hmm. you don't have the, the sauce for it. Well, what I get nervous about is hearing the, well, if you're sick, you can't take a day off because that's not a sustainable way to do. Yeah, for sure. Do you know what I mean? But like, that's a very real thing. But then what it's like, it's, it's hard because what do you do when someone's sick? Cause mm-hmm. Because everyone else who is is not Who's working, do their job. Like if mm-hmm. someone's sick and they don't come into work, you're gonna call in the uh, 
the other line cook that works the station that mm-hmm. is on their one or two, day like off. Yeah, your yeah, one, yeah. two, three days you. off. It's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. if you're working a five day week already and then someone is sick and you have to have them work six days, like is that better or worse than having the person totally. who had like, yeah, it's a great question. It's, it's a hard question. And I, I feel like no but, one necessarily knows what the best move on that is yet. Totally. But that's kind of like you're, you're seeing all of these things yeah. and this is my advice to you is because you are in a unique place of having a decade to decide when you're going to make these decisions you have the time to do things differently if you so choose. Yeah. That, I guess. I think it's, that's definitely like when you're working in restaurants, notice the things you like and also notice the things that you don't like mm-hmm. that you want to not do when and you. And change when it's yeah. yours. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Love that. Um, ooh, that's a, that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good question. Yosol wants to know who's actually a mutual friend of both of ours. He asks, um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how to be more productive from learning online or from books. Have you taken any master class, anything? Were you talking to me about this? Someone no. was talking to me about this. No, they look they master class actually like that specific website. Mm. They've got a few crazy chefs on yeah, there right now. I can only imagine the the check that got written for that. <laughs> yeah. But but no, I like I have only taken one cooking class and that was not one that I signed up for and wasn't necessarily one that I would say I learned a whole lot from and inf- I wouldn't say it influences my food at all sure. and I but cookbooks I do take a lot from have there been any impactful ones recently that you've picked up um i really like relay mm-hmm. uh, a book, book of, of ideas. ideas yeah i love that book cuz i think it's a really interesting format of mm-hmm. like he writes three pages on water yep and like i've never thought about water before mm-hmm. like Except when it kills your jewel circulator. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, and it's like that was fascinating to me of like reading it about how he thinks about water and and all of these things. And it's like that book is really great because it makes it a great tool for when you're thinking about your own stuff, mm. where he can talk about something. But not necessarily like he can talk about smoked nut milks, but not say a and not put down a recipe for grilled mushrooms and smoked almond milk. And then mm-hmm. it's like you want to do that. You're copying because you saw a recipe for it. Like he says, I like to smoke nut milks. Well, now I have a dish smoked almond milk. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you're not copying it because there wasn't necessarily a recipe for what he serves it with mm. but what he likes about it and how he prepares it sure so I, I like that because it it makes it easier to be creative and give you ideas but not give you dishes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Renee, but there also are dishes if that's what you're sure. looking for sure Renee Redzepi has a great thing on one of his videos he did once where he talks about like when they're doing all these fermentations and picklings and all that stuff they're giving themselves more letters in their alphabet to use to make sentences and words and yeah. write. You know what I mean? And stories. Tell stories. Yep. Totally. Um, so that's what that's where my brain goes. And it's like the more things like you might not know that smoking, that mm. almond milk 
is a good idea until you read that book. And then it's like, now if I want to add this flavor, I can serve it a nut. I can serve a nut milk. I can mm. serve a smoked nut milk. Sure. I can do all these things. Whereas if you don't read about them or you don't see them or you don't taste them, you don't know about them. Yep. You, yep. Don't, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So because you say that you haven't done a ton of online learnings, is there has there been something that has frustrated you that there isn't a course on or there isn't a video on or there isn't a podcast about? I mean, no, I take a lot from online. Mm-hmm. I just haven't taken any, like, classes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the internet is a really great it's way amazing. to learn things. It's amazing. And I think that, that has to be... A contributing factor to how I got into food mm-hmm. because you can see every dish from every restaurant ever. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. At any time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you couldn't do that years ago. It's like, that's that. I would say- read blogs. I mean, that's why I read food bloggers. Yeah. Because those are the only people who are traveling and documenting their food and putting it in one central location. Yeah. I don't read food. Like I don't. Nope. You don't need to as much. You like, have Instagram. You have Instagram. Mm-hmm. So now, who's, in, who's inspiring you right now from a, a, as as a chef? Like, who um, are you looking to that's really interesting? Or it doesn't even have to be from a food perspective. It can be like, I saw this restaurant open, and I've never seen someone do a restaurant like that. Well, right now, the restaurant we they, we just did a dinner at, at mm-hmm. Popovu. I'm I really like the the dual concept mm-hmm. restaurant where it's like you have your your money making side that's like casual food that everyone is able to go to ever like all the time and that serves tacos by the way for everybody yeah for t- that that's food. like tacos and and it's it's approachable mm-hmm. and then you have your fine dining side that is maybe not as good at making money but it mm-hmm. it fulfills your like your ideas as being a chef and you can serve a dish that maybe is only good if you plate 12 of them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you can't do them for everyone because it, it loses the quality. Right. And I think there are a few restaurants right now that are doing that, but it's mm-hmm. definitely not like a, a widely adopted idea yet. Sure. And I think it will be very popular. Yeah. Yeah. They share a central kitchen, right? Where Popovu has only a wood fire. Yeah. They do all their, their service, the fine dining side. And then, Centro has like a larger bar that people can get drinks from, and I mean, Popovu has a nice bar as well. But yeah, um, yeah, that's just for people people asking. The other piece that I didn't want people to miss out on is uh, my joke about the jewel. Is Spencer had hard water ruin his jewel circulator? They sent me a new one. They sent you a new one very very easily. Yeah, that's which great. was sort of funny that's great. to me that they would just like, oh, my jewel's broken. Yeah, my water's yeah, yeah. too hard. <laughs> oh. Yeah, here's a, here's take, a new take a new two hundred dollar circulator. Who else comes but, to mind of people that are getting you excited or restaurant concepts? Um, I really like California. So that's a restaurant that me and you both have been to, and I he you sort of set up mm-hmm. my stage there, and it, it's just very. It was the first restaurant that I saw that that's just like very, very, very small. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. I think it's, I think it makes, it allows you to do more mm. when you're serving less people. When you see these concepts, because you obviously gravitate towards the finer dining side. Yeah. 
do you see yourself if you get a casual concept going would you want to write casual food or would you find another chef who's like I want to have a space that gets some notoriety I just love casual food and would you partner up with someone and they do the casual you do the more fine dining and together you make this concept go or do you have casual food ideas in your head that never see the light of day because you're always doing tasting menus I mean there isn't like if I had an idea for a casual for casual food that I was excited about, like I would do it. Mm-hmm. But if there was a person I was really excited about working with, mm-hmm. like I would also work with them. And it's also like it's an interesting point of like I don't have a a, a cuisine that my family grew up eating. Whereas mm-hmm. like at Popovu, the chef he is from Mexico. Mm-hmm. He he grew up eating tacos. I didn't grow up eating, like, this one specific category of food that I would be, like, I can have my fine dining Mexican concept and I can have my casual Mexican Mm -hmm. concept. So I don't necessarily have an idea right now for a casual concept, like, a cohesive casual concept. Mm -hmm. And if I found someone that did and I was also excited about it, like, I wouldn't find a person who was excited about doing casual food that I also wasn't excited about. Like, I have to be excited about it to put my name on it, but... I think that's, we'll see when that's, I get that's, there. That's less of a bad thing than you think. Like, I think that there are a few American concepts that still have room to grow into. Like, I can see you doing a 24-hour diner where there's a secret door in the diner that takes you back so cool. into a dope, like, tasting menu spot in the back that's, like, yeah. just everything that you would want. But in the front, it's a 24-hour diner that does... Oh, it would also be a diner. It's a diner. It's, like, a real diner. <laughs> that would actually... <laughs> I've never seen that before. There's a place in in London called Bubble Dogs where they have kitchen table in the back. Have you heard of them? It's hot dogs and champagne in the front and then kitchen table tasting menu like downstairs in the back or something like that. It's really, really cool. Um, Um, There is a restaurant I just saw. Microphone. (laughs) Microphone. Jeez. Um, There's a restaurant I was just watching like a video at the tasting menu. What's it called? Um, But it's like hidden in like. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no, but oh. I, I, I haven't mean, described a, it at all. I no, don't know. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's like hidden in in Copenhagen, and it's like with within all like the music practice rooms. Oh, interesting. And it's just like you walk through this area, and there's like graffiti all over the walls, mm-hmm. and you sort of walk through, and then you're in the re- the restaurant, and yeah. it's like it's sort of, sort of within everything else, and it just sort of blends in. Got it. No, I can see. I, I I don't want you to get frustrated that it doesn't exist because you can still make it if you want. Um, I don't know. You just got to figure it out. There's like a baby crying. Oh, I thought that was the cat. First. Oh, maybe, maybe. I don't. I was out. Let's see what other questions we have here. Um, MSP is Minneapolis for Mind Auragsav, who wants to know Minneapolis, St. Paul. Do you want to go to culinary school? That's something that people no. constantly ask me. We actually talked about this on the first one, yeah. didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Still no. Still no, no culinary, culinary school. school for me. Smart. I don't. I think mean, by the it. time I will have the opportunity to go, I'm going to spend thousands of dollars to go learn stuff that I probably have already learned in my five mm-hmm. years of working in restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. I hear you. Um. And even chefs that that aren't cooking at my age 
it, isn't always a great idea to mm-hmm. go to culinary school. I agree. I totally agree. And for some people it is, though. Mm-hmm. It's not like culinary school totally sucks for everyone, but a lot of people it's not a great idea, I in my opinion at I, least. I agree. I haven't gone, so I don't necessarily <laughs> know. can't speak to it. Should we talk about our pop-up? Should we talk about the menu? Should we talk about what it was like working together? Because I think that that's really interesting and in that it's because it's our first time, it's cool yeah. to have it on record as like a debrief. So that process started because I'm here in Minneapolis for the week and I was like, we should do a pop-up together. And yeah. it was maybe six weeks out when we like secured a venue or a month out, I would say. It was close. It was close. It was cutting it close. Because we, we didn't know what my timeline schedule was going to be like while I was here. And then we also wanted to try this new venue, which was Popovu. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you were great at securing the location and having the, those meetings and getting everything sorted for us. Yeah. And then we decided on a menu format, which I already teased to a little bit, which was we pick four ingredients. And the four ingredients were peas, kohlrabi, mushrooms, and rhubarb supposed to be chanterelles it was supposed to be chanterelles but we we created this ingredient in this list of ingredients we created this sort of a long time ago Mm -hmm. actually Mm -hmm. and we've had a late season for chanterelles totally so which is fine we renamed it mushrooms so the idea was spencer would do a dish of peas i would do my dish of peas and then you would do your dish of kohlrabi and i would do my dish of kohlrabi same yeah. with mushrooms, same with rhubarb. And it didn't necessarily have to be in that order. That's how it how it ended up. Yeah. And then we also did snacks and minorities. But those were just sort of whatever small, we were excited yeah, about. Small. And so I guess that was your first collaborative tasting menu or was with Tim your first like where you Yeah, the, I did a dinner last month with mm-hmm. where it was Two dishes from each of the three chefs mm-hmm. um, for a charity event, yeah. but yeah, but it was also sort of it was fun, but it's also sort of like forced collaboration. I see, yeah, I see that. I mean, the reason that I pitched this idea is because I have wanted to do that idea for a while with the picking the ingredients and yeah. then collaborating because I think that's more of a story than just us getting together and cooking together because. Your pea dish was way different than my pea dish, and the same with the kohlrabi dishes, right? And concept. So, concept. Concept, 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 That's, I mean, that's where my head goes. So what were, what, did you enjoy that? Do you think it was too forced? Did you think it was? No, I thought it was fun, because, yeah. I mean, I probably would have used those ingredients anyway. Correct. And you probably would have done mm-hmm. something similar, mm-hmm. because we're excited, we're both excited about them, mm-hmm. but this way, the menu has an idea mm-hmm. and a constraint a creative constraint correct because you love those I, I i wouldn't talk about it if i didn't actually <laughs> enjoy it that would be and, and 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 i talked about that when we were cooking together because i don't know you said it a couple times like your knives are actually sharp and <laughs> you actually try to stay organized and like it would suck if i talked all this stuff online and then you actually cooked with me and it was not real yeah so I don't know. I thought it was pretty fun to, to cook together. I don't think that there was anything that was like a, a massive surprise of like, this is not how this guy actually cooks. I suck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I put pretty dishes on Instagram that yeah, taste bad. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
No, we asked some of the guests after the dinner, like <laughs> what were what was pe- everybody's favorites, and it was pretty fifty fifty. I would say so. Yeah, and it, it, I I don't mean this as a crutch. No, to say that like excuses for pe- why people because people liked a lot of your dishes as like the first ingredient, like right. which one was your favorite. Mm. But I also feel like people love the big meat, meat dish. Yep. Yep. And I don't like cooking meat. Totally. I don't get excited about totally meat. Like I, I will probably in the near future at least not have beef on my menu. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At least cooked. Yeah. But you can. You I don't because I, I don't like it. I just sure. think it's. Sure. I think everyone knows beef, and I would rather serve lamb. I would rather serve mm-hmm. pigeon. Yep. Yeah. I would rather serve something that people haven't had. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's more fun. I think it's more fun for me to cook. Mm-hmm. I think it's more fun for the guests to eat. Totally. And But also, like, I would rather serve a fish and a vegetable than a, a, a protein. A steak. A but steak. people love a steak. It's true. It's true. Especially here. Especially in Minnesota. Especially in Minnesota. So, so going back to the dinner... What else stuck out as like things you learned or unexpected things or like things that you would do different next time? I know for me, I put a lot of pressure on you and I didn't I didn't realize how much pressure it actually was of you normally prep like three day, <laughs> three days in advance. Yeah. And I basically went to you and I said, It's gonna be no big deal. We're gonna do everything the same day and you were a little bit nervous about that and I didn't realize how much actual <laughs> prep you do. But it all came together, right? Yeah. Like you had a it bunch only took, of... It only took three people <laughs> prepping my four dishes and one person to prep yours. Yep, yep. Uh, but it all it all worked, right? I mean, yeah. And that was definitely probably a learning experience for you of, like, this is how I have to organize myself to do everything same day. Yeah, I don't, like, when I write my menu, I, there was a chef one time that's like, you can cook anything you want. But when you have a restaurant, you have to think about what you're capable of doing. Correct. And I don't think about that yet. Mm. I know what I figure out what I want to do and I make it happen. Mm -hmm. Even if it takes three days. Even if it takes three days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And most times it does. Sure. Sure. So it's like that's the mentality that I have. I don't think I have to do this all in one day. So maybe I have to change this to make it easier on prep mm. it's I, I don't usually do that mm-hmm. um which and i didn't do it this time i mm. just had more people prep my stuff totally <laughs> totally which is fine which is fine but one principle that i wanted to have as a takeaway for you is this idea of having dishes that are very intense and then having dishes that are a little bit more hands-off where not every single dish has to be like heavy intense plating heavy intense cooking table side sauce you know what I mean? Yeah. Where like, like my, your kohlrabi dish my kohlrabi time. dish was very hands-off. It was like pre-mix, just needs garnish, and then it's done. Yeah. And then that gave, gives us a buffer in the tasting menu. But people menu. loved it. People loved it. And so like as long as you can do the legwork beforehand, you give yourself this breathing room in the tasting menu. In the same way that us serving bread as the first course was an incredible buffer at the start of the meal. Right? Yeah. Because it gives people something to do to keep them busy while you're plating this first dish. But it still has to be interesting. Correct. I agree. Like, yep. we, we, for a second there, we thought we were going to, but like, you can't just buy bread and serve bread. Totally. totally. Like, it has to be in, yep. interesting. Mm-hmm. And you but can't, and you can't, you can't, I don't feel like you should 
serve a boring salad with a vinaigrette Agreed. that's like yep. boring and put a few vegetables on it. Like yep. it has to be something that is interesting, but mm-hmm. maybe it isn't sure. intense for the service side and maybe it's more prep heavy. Exactly. That's where I'm going with it. Where yeah. It doesn't have to be, well, we're searing this thing and then doing this crazy elaborate plate up thing where we try to build it really high. And then we also have to like have sauce hot that we're going to sauce table side. Like it doesn't have to be like that. And that was something that I really wanted to like impart is that you can build a tasting menu that gives you these breathing moments. Um, I don't know what else, what else stood out as far as like things that was either fun or stuff. That I mean, was it like, was fun to cook over wood fire. Yeah. That's, I that too. feel like I don't know if I utilize that as much. Mm-hmm. I sort, we sort of had that crutch of like, Centro's right over there. We can go use their electric stove and their uh-huh. convection oven. Right, right. And it's sort of like I wish I would have tried to experiment, accomplish more over mm-hmm. the wood fire. But mm-hmm. no one said there isn't a next time. That's true. That that's also true. And then also when you're thinking about these dishes going forward again, you can start to build instead of doing something that would normally be oven roasted. You can do wood fire roasted. You know yeah, I mean? and it was also. We definitely wrote our menu before we had secured the venue. Yeah, that that also is a contributing factor for sure. For sure. For yeah. sure. Uh, let me pause it. Okay, I'm going to turn my phone on. Do not disturb. Balls. You getting blown up now or what? No. <laughs> All right. Are we good? Yeah. Is it going? Where are we going? Why don't you record? Talking session. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of talking. Uh, let's see. I definitely didn't talk as much last time. No. How long was our last episode? Do you remember? It was long, but you oh, were right. talking most of it. Oh, okay. Well, because you were asking a lot of questions. questions. Yeah. You were asking a lot of questions. I'm going to open up this kombucha, and it's probably going to fizz all over because I just shook it all over the place. Nope. Oh, maybe. Those ones are really fizzy. Yeah. I brand. Uh, okay. Um, who have you, an interesting question I was going to ask because you've had some more restaurant experience. Yeah. Has anyone particularly been a good mentor figure for you in a, in a restaurant setting? Like specific names? Yeah. You don't even have to say names, but like, yes, I met this person and this is what they taught me as far as like, I think, I think it's hard. It's, you have to. I don't think I realized this until actually yesterday when I had my first stage on my station. You, it is a f- effort to teach people things. It isn't as effortless as you might think it would be if you're staging a lot. And I think that the chefs that see that you're a young person who's looking to get into the industry and they're really excited about teaching you. I think those are the people that you should be hanging around with and working with a lot. And like, I just, like it said, it's, it's, it's a lot more effort than one would think. And so I really, I respect a lot of the chefs that teach me a lot now, a lot more than I quite realized how much work they're putting in to show me stuff. I mean, you probably realized it at the pop-up, right? Like, yeah, it's when you're trying to have two people help you with prep, 
so much of your day is giving instructions and quality control and tasting yeah. things and like you don't have that much time to prep for yourself when you're trying to delegate things out to other people it's a real it's a real job yeah um because you now have the experience of having both sides do you have any advice for people on how they can be more teachable whether it's attitudes or questions or I think it's being available to learn things, but not being in the way. Mm-hmm. Like, being open to learn, but like, don't be like, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? What are you doing now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why are you doing that? Like, you can ask why, but don't be like, is there this, it's, it's a fine line of like, being annoying and asking questions and also sure. being, at, it's asking smart questions. Mm-hmm. Not just for the sake of why. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the four-year-old. Mm-hmm. Why? 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 Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. Why? You know, like... I get that. It's like, you have to ask... You, like, ask the reason behind things if, like, it's a thing that needs that question. Yeah, yeah. Not like, why are you shucking the oyster? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, that makes sense. But I ask these questions because if you're not thinking about school, I think the best way for you to think about continuing to grow and progress is through mentorship and yeah. through getting people to teach you everything that they know. Yeah. Um, so I was just curious if you've had like someone really special that has taken you under their wing or thought about. I've definitely had some chefs who are very dedicated and awesome. teaching people and teaching me things and it's. It's it's always great when you get those chefs. Totally. And because as much as people like to talk about like oh I spent ten years at this restaurant and the chef mentored me, it's hard to find a chef that like is gonna mentor you. Like that's that's a it's a lot of effort for them. Totally. And it's finding that chef that is gonna mentor you, it's not it's not easy. It's not like you go to this restaurant, chef's like, I'm your mentor now. <laughs> Doesn't work like that. No. Is there anything that you see that chefs could be doing better to mentor people more? I mean, obviously, you know it's a lot of work, but yeah. is there a nugget of, I wish that chefs would be more blank, more patient, more understanding, more articulate? Because sometimes chefs aren't very good at explaining what it is that they're doing. Like they'll just say, Oh, well, because that's the classic way to do it. Yeah. Have you, have you had that before where like you're making stock, you're making a sauce, you're making hollandaise and you're asked like, why are you doing it over a double boiler? Cause I got to Norway and this French chef was making hollandaise in a pot on the stove. Yeah. We actually don't make, we don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we, it's actually, that was actually a fascinating thing I learned mm-hmm. at grand is, we like heat the butter and then we just rub a coop it. Ah, it was fascinating. Yeah. See? The egg yolks and you just pour the butter. There's more than one way. There's always more than one. Well, yeah. Yeah. Always more than one. Way. <laughs> but do you see, is there something that you wish chefs would be doing more of to help? Um, not like every single chef. Like yeah. there isn't like one thing that everyone it's doing that I wish they don't do. It's like 
well, this chef, I, w- I wish they would maybe spend more time showing me things or mm-hmm. maybe this chef, I just wish they were, would do this. And I don't feel like ever that ever chef does this one thing that I wish they would not do. Yep. Got it. I don't know. Okay. Uh, let's go into some rapid fire questions. Rapid they, fire don't have, questions. they don't have to be rapid fire answers, but I'm okay. curious to see if any of these things have changed for you since we've last spoken. And I don't even know if I was doing these questions back then. Was I? I don't think I was. It was Twitter and no one likes it. <laughs> That's true. No, everyone always is on Instagram. That's true. You're all, you're, you always tell people, share articles on Twitter. And no one and does no it. no one does it. Because <laughs> no one's on Twitter. I don't know what it is with uh, chefs. And But Instagram doesn't allow for easy article sharing like you can send me a link but like then i can't comment on it to the public that's why i like twitter Hmm. i don't use twitter so (laughs) you gotta get on twitter man uh how do you make your eggs in the morning are you coming over these questions or are they on instagram no this is this is this these are my questions oh these are your questions Mm -hmm. Mm um i usually try to make an omelet and fail and then make soft scrambled eggs got it why can't you do the omelet? Are you impatient? No one's ever taught me how to do an omelet. Hi, cat. Hi, cat. <laughs> no one's ever taught me, so I okay. I do what I think makes sense, and it doesn't ever work. I wish I had more eggs, because we could make omelets right now. I make omelets for myself almost every day. Yeah, uh, but soft scrambled, maybe a little... I add quite a bit of butter, so I don't eat eggs often. Sure. So, butter... It's the move. Like a soft cheese, not like a mm-hmm. gross cheese, but like a, a good cheese. Got it. Maybe. Got it. I don't know. Uh, name an ingredient you're obsessed with right now. Scallion tops. Scallion tops. Uh, kohlrabi I'm really into right now. It was actually really delicious kohlrabi that you guys have for me. Yeah. It was very sweet. It had is, it like, not, is it not like that in Seattle? Uh, I mean, I guess it is. It's usually harder. Like, yours was very tender in the center, and then it was very... It was not hard, but it was, like, radish texture on the outside. Yeah. Um, I really like that. Um, that was really, really delicious. Um, so, kohlrabi, scallion tops? Shaved scallion tops. Yeah. There was sort of an, an inside joke between us with the dinner. Is <laughs> yeah. Right now, I'm obsessed with the shaving them and shocking them, because I think they make everything look beautiful. It's true. It's great. Um, it's also a signature move of mine, because it... Is, it's just beautiful. Um, I mean, you said book of ideas. I normally like to ask a book that's been particularly impactful for you. That one, um, I really also like. Um, let me think. Or it can be a video. I'm like picturing my, my library. Yeah, 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 yeah. Trying to, um, I think you said French Laundry last time. Yeah. It's a good one. I don't like that one. Really? As much as a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good go-to. Yeah. The thing I like is- I like EMP, but I don't mm-hmm. for like, I like the back of it. Sure. It's like the, the basic kind of mm-hmm. recipes. Um, the reason people say French Laundry all the time is because at the time when it was written and published, it was like no one had ever seen a cookbook like that before. Yeah. And now and, everybody does books like that. And so. it, it also is a lot of like, it's definitely a little dated at this point. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels weird to say that because I have nothing but respect for for Chef Thomas Keller but, and, but you've and, had... and the restaurant. But it's like, 
there's been 20 years of people copying ideas from that book. Yeah. <laughs> so you see it on menus all over the place. And so uh-huh. it's no wonder that, yeah, it just is what it is. There's a cat like aggressively playing with my <laughs> what cables. Is that? It's because it's my, uh, there you go. He got it off. Anyways, um, <laughs> let's see. What other questions? Uh, this is a good question. Is there a technique you're still intimidated by? In the kitchen that you're so obviously mad. cooking proteins <laughs> and omelets. Omelets, cooking protein for many people. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's fine. Yeah, I you mean, got time. I you mean, got... I work Garmo. I yeah. don't. I don't work. Yeah. Yep. Meat station. You got, you got nothing but time. That'll be a really um, interesting moment for you when you get to a protein-based yeah. station because you learn a lot. Uh, yeah. Not just on the organization side, but. You start to lead the brigade a little bit, which is also a really, really exciting point to be at. Yeah. Because you're not just thinking about you. You're thinking about, like, your station partner who's doing the garnish for you. Yeah. That's really, really important. Um, so think about that. Uh, my classic question of you somehow get a call right after this interview that you just want an all-expenses-paid trip to eat at your dream restaurant. And when you get there, there's someone you've always wanted to eat with waiting there to have dinner with you. What restaurant is it, and who is that person? Hmm. What did you say? Did you someone ask you this I before? Say, yeah, I, I always get... Um, I really want to go eat at the new Noma. Um, this has probably changed since the last time somebody asked me this. I really want to go eat at the new Noma. I would love to eat at Favakin before it closes. Yeah. Um, I would love to have more, um, high-end kaiseki experiences in Japan. Oh, I know what my restaurant is. Tell me. It's, it's actually probably wouldn't be, at least my restaurant, I gotta think of the person. Mm. Right now I'm really excited about Contra. Okay. I think their food looks dope. Yeah. It's, um, it's a bit of a shit show. Uh, management wise is it so I've been told um, I know two people that work there yeah my best from friend, Minneapolis yeah my best friend John worked there um, for a while this cat's gonna walk away with my tie um, yeah I, I hear it's a little bit of a frustration to work there but the food is supposed to be really really stellar and it, unique it, and yeah. like not conventional which is really cool like you'll have dishes there that you've never had before um, which is really cool because yeah. for someone that's so fascinated with flavor combinations right now, I think you would really get a kick out of that meal. Yeah, I, I so definitely like scrolling through their Instagram. And... Totally. I mean, your oyster dish was very similar to that aesthetic. Yeah, I like that. I love their plating style. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. His was a dish of salsify cream, roasted salsify, grilled oysters. What else did you do? Watercress. Watercress puree. Spring onion puree. And puree. Shaved, shaved kohlrabi. Shaved, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Scared that one of these cats is going to eat that uh, tie. That's totally fine. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to chat through? This is uh, this is your second time on the show, so you, you have the floor. If you want to chat through something, you have questions, you want to get something out into the world. Um, I don't know. No. I've gone through a bunch of my questions and audience questions have all pretty much been answered, I think. Let's see, what do we what did we miss? What did we miss? 
Oh, long-term plans. Private chef, continue pop-up, restaurant classes, etc. That's from Derek's World on Instagram. Restaurant. restaurant. Small tasting menu restaurant. Here? Uh, no. No? Where? Right now, I'm thinking San Francisco. Got it. Smart. Where in San Francisco? Do you know? No. And it'll probably not end up being in San Francisco. But that's where I'm thinking right <laughs> well, now. Well, I thought mine was going to be in Chicago, and I, I moved. Um, yeah. But it's good to have, a, like, a North Star where you're trying to go. And yeah. it's definitely, like, I feel like especially if you're wanting to be so vegetable-focused, the Bay Area is, like, California produce is incredible. Yeah. Um, and I'm not even, like, vegetable-focused in, like, the sense of, like, when people say vegetable focus, I right. still love and have pretty protein heavy menus mm-hmm. i just don't like well you also gravitate towards ocean protein right yeah so that's also a natural and shellfish mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not even like fin fish but yeah, like yeah, yeah. shellfish which is hard because that's also a yeah. an allergen yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i hear you i hear you um <laughs> but any other, any other questions any other things you want to wrap up with or share with people or follow you on instagram yeah spencer.vanancio you changed it didn't you used to have two? Yeah, I still have two. Oh, okay. Got it. Do you have one personal and one pop-ups? I have a, a personal that I don't post on. Got it, got it, got it. Or even look at, got ever. It. Okay. So, follow you. Uh, that was something interesting I wanted to chat through, is a lot of people found you through Talk. A lot of people found... Yeah, Talk is awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you been doing stuff through the event thing with them, or you uh, do it as a dinner? I do it as... So... What's the question? Well, because don't they have two options of you can post this as a restaurant that does seatings or you can do it as an event? So, yeah. So, well, when you first – I'm going to answer what I think you're asking. Yeah. When you first get talk, you have basically three options mm. for how you want your plan to be. And you can either do it as like on an event-by-event event basis on how you pay them. Mm. And it's like a 3% fee. Or you pay a, a flat fee plus a lower fee for like total sales, and then there's just like zero percent plus a monthly fee, mm. and one and the three percent for event by event basis is great for pop ups, and I post and I post it as as a pop up, and I do my things when I sell it my tickets. I do it as an event and not as like a service. Got it. Got it. Smart. But okay. people, but people like you can find some interesting restaurants if mm-hmm. you just like scroll mm-hmm. through the pages of Talk. Mm-hmm. Well, I ask because we do all our stuff through Squarespace. Yeah, which can work, but I feel like get on Talk. Yeah, for getting for getting guest information and being able to do more restaurant related uh, back end stuff, Talk Talk is great. Um, so talk yeah. is awesome. This was a great experience for me. You to can pre seat tables and it's. For restaurants and not for things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. Well, if anybody has any questions, I would request for you to visit Spencer or leave them down low in the comments so people can get in touch. Yeah. If you get a ton of questions, I'm going to send you people's comments. And then you can I, respond. I, I always look at them. That's good. That's good. Okay, well, thanks for being on the show, my dude. Thank you for having me. And pleasure cooking with you. Yeah, it was fun.
We did it. You're in Outro Land now. Thank you so much. I appreciate your ears more than you'll ever know. Hey, by making it to the end, you're the type of person that I want to speak to directly. This little production is constantly growing. If you enjoyed this episode, if you like what I'm trying to do with this show and want to make sure more people can find us, a free way to help out that takes less than three minutes is to leave The Emulsion a great review on iTunes. If you didn't enjoy this show, please also leave a review. I'm happy to take any constructive feedback you've got. If you want to learn more about supporting this show with your hard-earned cash, patreon.com slash justinkana is the place to do that. I've got tiers starting at just $1 per month. Let's say you just like being involved through suggesting stories to be covered or asking questions to my interview guests. You can stay up to date by following along on Twitter or Instagram. That is linked up in the description for your convenience or always available on justinkana.com. If you're on YouTube and listening, you can take this show on the go because this is available on all podcast platforms, including Spotify. And if you prefer video versions of things like my interview shows or the shorter intermezzo episodes and you're listening audio only, please check out my YouTube channel to see more of that. Now's normally where I'd say my name is Justin Kana, and I hope you have a good one, but you've probably got another podcast episode to listen to, so I'm just going to get out of the out of the way here. Excuse, excuse me. Pardon me.